podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we chat with a man that you probably know the voice of, Josh Revel. And I'm joined by my friend and yours. It's Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. Hello, boys. How are you? Yes, doing very well. And let me do the Daniel Ricciardo McLaren welcome to Emma Gilmore when she was announced to McLaren as the extreme media driver. Kia ora, Josh. <laughs> as an Australian, it sounded really bad. Kia ora. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I have to abandon the kia ora but, and go with a kia ora. But uh, it's all very well. Good. Adapt, uh, adapt or die, I suppose. Yeah, there you go. Look, mate, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, certainly a lot of our listeners will know your voice. Uh, they'll know your caricature at least and maybe the first time they're seeing your face. So it's good to have you here, mate. I wanted to start right at your very beginning if we could because, of course, we know that uh, you've, you're having some good success at the moment with YouTube content creation. But Take me back, man. What was growing up in New Zealand like and what was the sort of first level or introduction of motorsports in your life? Uh, I think really for a lot of uh, kids growing up, it all starts with cars, you know, model cars, all that stuff. Um, and I was fascinated for them, fascinated by them for one reason or another. And um, first introduction to proper motorsport was through uh, – DVD highlights of the 2001 V8 supercar season. So I was fascinated by that. First PlayStation game that I bought, was, well, I didn't buy it, obviously. <coughs> but uh, that was uh, Formula 1 2001. So wow. year 2001 was really the sort of catalyst for everything. Um, and, I mean, to cut a long story very, very short, uh, they sort of started this whole sort of love affair I had with the sport that continues to this day. Um, and, yeah, in a very boring way, that's how it all uh, was introduced to me. <laughs> Mate, PlayStation 1 and F1 2001, not was a that, bad way to start. Was that the championship edition that is almost near impossible to find a copy of anywhere these days? Was that for PlayStation 2? Uh, there may have been the 2001. I'm not sure. I don't know if one had a championship edition. I'm, I'm not too sure. All I do know is that they had this competition, which I obviously couldn't do back then at five, <laughs> where you um, you try to beat this time uh, set by Jensen Button or Giancarlo Fisichella. Hopefully it was Fisichella. It would have been a lot easier. Um <laughs> And you got you won something. I, I can't remember, but I was thinking it must be cool to do that. Um, so I mean, for sure, you know, like um, it 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 would have been cool, of course. But I don't know if there ever was a championship edition of F one two thousand one. So yeah. Well, we can't sure, help you out there. I'm sure we can go and Google that later. Mate, you mentioned V8 supercars. So that's interesting. Of course, uh, I mean, we, we talk about Formula One. That's the whole point. The whole point of this podcast, though, was to get more Australians involved in the world of loving Formula One. But of course, a lot of our motorsport love started with V8 supercars back when Holden Ford actually made cars, you know, semi locally rather than just shells driving around on frames that no one really gives a damn about anymore. 
In 2001, so like that sort of scafy, that kind of era. Oh. It was was he what was he kind of one of the people that you were looking up to and went, geez, that's a that's a, a bloody good bloke. Uh, I mean, five years old, you're gullible as hell. You don't know a damn thing, so you just look at the person who leads and just like he's the best. I like him. <laughs> and so, with it being 2001, 2002, yeah, I naturally looked at Mark Scaife and I thought he's a swell guy. Then I met him. <laughs> Not quite a swell guy, but you can drive. Um, That's how Craig Lowndes has managed to have a fan base for the last 20 years. If you ignore his text messages, then yes. Um, But, yeah, Greg Murphy was kind of the same as well. He was, you know, he really was and kind of still is a folk hero here in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Until you meet him. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a very, very different world when you actually meet some of these people. Um, But, you know, you still respect how they drive, what they do and so forth. But, yeah, um, 2001 season, that was – the HRT team was dominating. Ambrose just debuted. Lowndes went over the Ford. Um, DJR had a great season until pretty much – post Bathurst and then they all just fell to pieces. Mm. Um, and Larry Perkins was for some reason still racing at the age of 309. <laughs> uh, he was still driving well though, to be honest with you. But yeah, it was, it's ingrained in my head that season for sure. Um, and yeah, honestly, watching those races really, like it was really V8 supercars. Formula One was a sort of um, come along later thing because of course, I mean, now it's bad enough to watch it because it's at really rancid times. But back then, even at the rancid times that it was on, it was days late, you know, um, highlighted packages that you would see on the preceding Sunday. Brutal, mate. Brutal. (laughs) It's it's honestly nice to talk to someone who has equally terrible timeframes to watch the sport. And I don't know if you sort of get up and, and watch it live like sometimes we do, but Certainly the last couple of races this season have been absolute death. Oh, uh, I mean, Qatar. Uh, the 4 a.m. The, the race start was 3 a.m. And that is the worst possible start. Mm. It's too early to get up and it's too late to stay up. Yes. yes. Just, and, of course, something will happen inevitably. It's like Grosjean's crash last year. That was the race that... We decided to stay up and, and do a podcast straight afterwards. And of course, not only one, but your mate Lance Stroll's leisurely strolls crash <laughs> being inverted as well. It's like <laughs> I don't got beef with Stroll anymore. It's just uh some of the stories that you hear about what happened in his junior career, you just look at it and you just go, Wow. Mm. <laughs> that's that's motor racing, I suppose. But um, I guess we can get into them later and stop deviating off course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, it is just a, just a crappy, crappy thing about being in this side of the world. It's just these really rancid times. And then, of course, once we do have something that's good, like, for example, Austin, the US, mm. you know, where for you guys it would be like, what, 5, 6 a.m. start, which is just like, it's bearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you have these Europeans complaining, I have to stay up until 10. It's like... <laughs> Dude. I feel uh, your hardship. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> yeah, please cry me a, a river of Sky F1 dribble. <laughs> that's, that's all we want to hear. Well, mate, that's, uh, look, an interesting time. I think, honestly, sort of that period of V8 supercars really for, you know, Campy and I, similar age, the early 30s, that sort of peak moment of teenage years watching motorsport, especially down this part of the world, that's when it was was really, really good. As you mentioned, Formula One is very difficult to watch, you know, back then, days late, as you said. 
But as you started getting towards F1 then, what was it for you? How did you sort of fall more in love with it? Was there a certain personality? Was there a driver? Was it Schumacher? Like, you know, or a combination of all of that? I think really back then, a lot of people looked at Michael with admiration. Um, Again, the majority of all of this was introduced through video games because, of course, you know, me being a child back then, staying up for these races was not an option and, you know, you're going to catch the highlights on the Sunday on free-to-air television. Um, so, like, um, it was just buying year after year the game. And I think I may have – yeah, I definitely was watching the highlights as well. So it was those two things. And, of course, you'd go for the Ferrari, you'd go for Michael Schumacher, and it was just that sort of natural, you know – follow the leader the same with Mark Scaife you know <laughs> and of course when I was that young as well I just thought anytime you got beaten oh the other guy must be cheating <laughs> just I never thought for a moment that there may be someone out there who was I don't know a little bit more naturally gifted impossible <laughs> so, no could never happen not to my driver so what what's the hook for you these days what keeps you coming back because I know our partners James uh are very critical of why we watch these races and why we watch cars continue to go around. What's the draw card for you these days? Uh, it gives me less and less reasons when they do certain things like put races in Saudi Arabia. Yes. It's, yes. It's, just, it's just like, we need a race in Africa. Oh, yeah, it would help diversity and branch out to all the worlds. No, let's go where all the oil money and other less PG things that we probably can't say on this uh, podcast – uh, out there, and I know I'm on a no-fly list to Jeddah at this very moment. <laughs> um, but you know, like it, there's there's that there's the internal politics which you eventually you understand when you actually work inside a paddock. That that's something I, I say to people about the sport. Do you love it? Good. Don't go in a paddock. Don't yeah. find out how the sport is actually run because it will very much test you as to whether or not you want to be in it any longer. Um, so, of course, it gives me lots of different reasons to not want to do it anymore. But ultimately, it's a very difficult thing to explain. I think, you know, like for racing connoisseurs, for petrol heads or whatever, I don't think you can really put a, a finger on it with regards to what hooks you in the sport. It really just is everything that and that encompasses it. Um, and, you know, the history of the sport, the ever-expanding history, you know, I think with recency bias, we look at people like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. We're just like, not as good as Alain or Ayrton. It's like, well, you know what? The reality is they might be. And if they are, you've got to think about what we're witnessing here, you know? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's that knowledge that sort of makes me think, well, we are watching history uh, forevermore. And, you know, I just love the sport to the extent where I don't know if anything is going to eradicate that. And then, of course, Saudi Arabia thing definitely uh, helps. Tell us helps what you really think, that. mate. We're not a PG podcast. That is I the give last my thing political opinions as often and as uh, what's frequently the as you frequently can. as I can. So mm. don't hold back. I genuinely can't say what's on my mind right now, even with how <laughs> outspoken uh, with how outspoken I am. We can all just take a moment to imagine what you're thinking, and we probably if be I'm pretty censoring correct. what I'm saying, that kind of says uh, everything, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's good to it's it's just a whole vibe. It's uh, that sort of ties uh, in with Lakeside Drive, though. 
That's one of the things I love about your videos, mate. And I, I do congratulate you for what you actually do in that in that content space. Uh, I think you ask all the big questions in a somewhat cynical way, but the delivery of it, and then uh, you've got a beautiful voice as well. I think it is absolutely cracking. And uh, no, we got to encourage you where we can because. Uh, no this doubt there'll be some a, banter a to come, but campy gushing podcast, eleven minutes. Oh, <laughs> Didn't can, take long. I've been a big fan of your videos for a long time, mate. But uh, yeah, how do you stay? Like, I love the way you are cynical about the sport because it is very easy to do at times. But uh, you you do it in a way that's uh, very well constructed, and uh, you know we know where you're coming from, and we know where you stand with a lot of things. But it's sort of shaded in a bit of uh, yeah. Elusiveness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I think there are you know there are things in the sport which you know honestly need they frustrating. Need, they need answers to them. You yeah, know, yeah. why is this person racing? Why are we racing here? Yeah. Why is um whatever? I was going to come up with something there, but my mind just blew yeah. on me. Um, but yeah, I mean, ah. Uh, it, it really that's that's the whole channel's conception. It was just down to no one's talking about this, and I don't understand why. You know, mm. um, and I guess we can morph into the sort of why did I start the channel thing here? Um, there was that first video of Andrea Moda back in two thousand and eighteen, I think. And back then, I wanted to make a proper sort of documentary style one because you know I just like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm, but. Yeah. Um, you'll see throughout the video, minor, just ignore all the obvious problems with that video, namely the microphone being terrible. Um, I, you'll see throughout the video that it just gets progressively more into the style of what I do. And I think I just naturally ascended to that. Having watched people like Alex Myers and so forth and how they brought across their topics, which I normally wouldn't give a damn about, mm. But how they they did it, it's like I want to do that style of video, not copy it, but that sort of basic concept. Um, and of course, as I said, there's so many there are so many things that no one talks about. Even even today, I've been running now for two three years, whatever it is, and I still got ideas for years because there's just so many things to talk about in the sport. Um, now there there are videos that I've literally had on ice now since the end of 2019. And it's just that they've just been pushed back, pushed back constantly because there are other things that have come into the fold. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all about really preaching to the masses about stuff that they're not sure they knew about, but, you know, they're glad that they did well, and all that Take jazz. us through that that journey then because – Obviously, there's a lot of content. We are one of, especially through lockdown, another 4 million Formula One podcasts that do race reviews and previews and, and everything else. And whilst we like to think we're special, we're really not. And I think Cappy's exceptionally, you know, on the money when it comes to talking about how you, you know, ask the hard questions and do it in, a, in such a way that is very unique. Uh, and of course, I think if anyone else then tried to come along afterwards, it would, would be an immediate comparison for good or for bad. That's just what it is. But when, what was the point when you found that content gap and went, you know, apart from obviously just wanting to do the doco style thing, which is great, really from a content making point of view, applaud that for sure. 
what other kind of content were you consuming at the time and what was the sort of push for you to go, right, I'm just going to bloody do it and make a video? I think there were a couple other channels. Um, Alex Meyer's been one of them, Squidge Rugby being another one. Good, where yep. they, they brought across the content in a way which was, with Squidge Rugby, not so much. He was a bit more technical than that, bloody Welsh. Um, <laughs> is that they... They compartmentalized everything and they brought it down to a level which you can actually ascertain and added in humor or whatever. I'm not purposely trying to make stuff funny. It's just what I say. It just so happens that people laugh at it for some reason. Um, And, you know, like um, the Andrea Motor video blew up six months after I made it for some reason. Mm. And the immediate... Uh, consensus from the public after that video was just like, wow, that microphone is crap. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I also realized at that time, I've got something here. You know, there's actually people that have subsequently subscribed to the channel. So, okay, I've got something here. I've got the opportunity to therefore push forward the new concept. And the first video I made on that new sort of um, concept was UGE Day. Mm. And on the day that I was meant to upload it, the file corrupted. And oh. I was just like, all that bloody effort all oh. to naught. Okay. I was just like, I gotta I gotta make some I gotta make something quick. You know, what what's just quick and easy to do? Oh, let's talk about the Zeltvig course. No one ever asked that question before. <laughs> um, no, the first Austrian Grand Prix uh, venue back in 1964, um, the only the only Grand Prix that Lorenzo Bandini ever won. Um, and I made that in a quick short time. I released it and there were people who were subbed and watched it and they're like, this is, you know, this is something. It's like, cool, whatever. I just... I just want to upload stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, I think the first video they ever got a thousand views was WTF happened to Dan Tictum. Mm. And that whole WTF series is another, another whole bag of beans. But yeah, I was, I was um, stoked when that happened. And then after Tictum was drafted into the Williams Academy, Someone shared it on WTF1's uh, forums and it just started to spiral from there. And then it's like, okay, uh, 1,000 subs, 5,000, 10,000. It's like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I didn't expect this. Um, and that whole WTF series, I've, I've had requests up the rectum for that. It's just like, <laughs> are you going to do WTF on this guy and this guy and this guy? It's like, WTF isn't just going to be slapped on people. Mm. It's about... Coming from a peak and then going through either a roller coaster or whatever. Like, you take, for example, Ricardo Rossa is a random one, but you know, people will think, oh, well, he was just a guy that came for two years and sucks. It's like, well, no, he was vice champion of Formula 3000 in his first year. Wow. And then he came in and is regarded one of the worst drivers ever. Like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> um, then, like the recent one, Felipe Massa, yeah. one year challenging for the for the world championship, and then he just completely drowned at Ferrari. Never had a win so after. Yeah. What <laughs> happened there? And especially when Rob Smedley said he lost no pace. So what was going on there? Um, so that's um, the whole consensus for WTF, um, <clears throat> which is why it's only used sparingly. 
because I'm obviously going to run through a hell of a lot of people in a very short time span. So, okay, what else can you do? Nothing. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, um, that's really how it all started. And I, I still do the videos for the same reason that I did back then. It's about talking about stuff that no one else talks about. <clears throat> and at the end of this year, I'm definitely going to be talking about something that no one else, no one else talks about much. A certain driver who is in Formula 2 who, should we say, probably shouldn't be in there right now. But more on that later. Ah, uh, yes. As in right now, right now. Not as in two days ago, but right now. <laughs> right now. Interesting. Right now. Yes. Well, there you Stop. go. It's not going to be an unhappy moment for this part of the body of water between us, though. Staying with the videos for a second, mate. The uh, the one that introduced me to your channel was the Mahavier Ragunathan video. And I tell you what, from the moment I saw that, I was absolutely hooked. The storytelling of that guy's story is incredibly complex and where does he get his money from to do the things he's done but the way he did that was uh was was absolutely fantastic and that i think for me that's the one that got me hooked on everything you've done so talk us through talk because he has been like he does show up from time to time on uh some esports things and the other drivers make jokes at him and they, they seem to be in jokes but uh that was the one talk me through that yeah, so I'm a connoisseur of um, Junior Formula, mm. and 2019 came about, and a very late deal, MP announced, uh, we've signed Mojave Ragunathan. <laughs> and I just, I, I, now, back then, we didn't know, you know? Um, back then, we didn't know what was the, the horror that was about to ensue. <laughs> but, like... I looked at this guy's name when he was announced. I'm like, that rings a bell. Um, I looked through his junior career and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> we're in for something here. Um, he'll probably be about a second off the pace of his teammate maybe. He'd be about two or three seconds off. And this is the thing people, I, I remember someone saying, oh, you've wrecked his career. It's like, no, we were talking about this before the damn video came out. The video just summarized everything that happened there. It was a complete freak show what happened. Um, and I mean, I got no reservations for Mojave personally, but it's just, you either belong in the sport at that level or you don't. And, um, you know, I just summed up just the complete clown circus that happened that year, especially at Monaco, him getting 24 penalty points, being disqualified <laughs> from the rounds, being, being, going through a loophole, <clears throat> everything like that. And, you know, I, uh, that, that's um, Monaco cut deal. I just stumbled on that superman based music at that time. <laughs> and it's just one of those sort of light bulb moments where it's just like, okay, I can I could do this. I definitely didn't get, um, shall we say, a happy email from, let's say, a family relative about that. But I think about two or three seconds after feeling bad, after reading the email, I rightly drew the conclusion of just like, we were already talking about this dude before the video came out. Um, we, I'm just summarizing his career. And more to the point, it's not like, it's a weird damn thing with this video. Like, if we saw Mahavir 
in the paddock or just uh, by the track side, you wouldn't just think, oh, he's a, he's a crap driver or whatever. You'd probably just think, hey, you're Marvin. Like, come on, get a photo, autograph, all that stuff. It's this weird thing where he's almost into a cult hero now. And I'm not trying to justify me tearing him apart. I don't want an out for that. He, I, I did what I did. But it's more just like, ultimately, he's more sort of, he's seen more in a positive light than what that video was probably meant to do at the end of the day. It's a weird effect, but I mean, that video is wholly stemmed out of the fact that this dude had a horror 2019 and it needed to be covered. It needed to be shown. And that this type of driver didn't belong on the grid. And thankfully, he wasn't there in 2020. And then 2021 came along. It's like, okay, we got your predecessor. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Successor, I should say. But nah, like, I, yeah, I've got no sort of reservations about making videos about people. Yeah. If you you get my attention for the wrong reasons, uh, (laughs) it's just... Well, you mentioned that you're a connoisseur of the junior formulas and I and I love junior formulas and as we all have on this podcast, especially last year, we said time and time again, please watch F2 and F3 because the racing is significantly better than the premier class in F1. No, absolutely right. But for for your mind, when when was your first sort of glimpse into that? Was it the back GP2 kind of, of era and I think, I mean, a lot of your videos more recently, especially with, you know, Dan Tictum and looking at Joe and Piastri and, and all those sort of other guys, it, it's sort of now overarching this story arc that I think Formula One has failed a little bit in, especially in recent years and paying more attention to Formula Two and Formula Three and bringing that up in notoriety as much as they've done with Formula One. What What was your introduction to the junior formulas and then why pursue them because as I said I think you're a, a big part of the reason as to why it's getting more people from the Formula One side and potentially from the WTF1 kind of equivalent style forums is because of your videos. Yeah um, my hook on it is basically that this is the new generation of talent. However they get to Formula One you're going to see the next bundle of talent coming through here. <clears throat> it's not like back in the days where you could just turn up with 10 million um, euros of Pablo Escobar's money like Ricardo Londano <laughs> did back in 1981 and just get into a Formula One seat. It doesn't work like that anymore. Um, so you are going to see the next crop of talent coming through. And it's fun just to see which ones are the outstanding talents. And you can see them. Like when you take, uh, I think my first introduction to the junior series was Lewis Hamilton back in GP2 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this... There's a thing about certain drivers where, I mean, there's obviously lots of really, really good talents out there, but then occasionally one will come along. It's just like, well, this guy is just a cut above the rest. Mm. Like, it's it's undeniable. Like, it's George Russell's another one. Max Verstappen as well. Um, and now Oscar Piastri's coming through in a lesser extent, not so much in outright speed, but he just gets the results. And ultimately, results win championships. Um, <clears throat> in case one didn't know of that concept. Um, but yeah, um, that was it. And I think the thing that really made me a lot more interested in it was when Mitch Evans got to GP3 from the Toyota Racing Series 
<clears throat> and then obviously I'd watch all of those and then I just got more hooked in it. I'm just seeing, you know, who these next crops of talents are, mm-hmm. you know, and and now it's, you know, for me just watching these random Italian F4 races at two in the morning when I got insomnia. <laughs> it's just like, well, well, let's, let, at least let me see how many Italians have got daddy's money to blow this way. Oh, 54? Okay. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's 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 fun watching them come through. But you know, you talked about how Formula One's failing to uh, bring in the what's the weird, what's the good way to describe this? The best talents. I think it's a it's a very yeah. rounded way to go about it. Um, there's always been a problem with regards to the best talents getting there. Or at least the best talents having no money. Mm. I think I think all everyone that you see in Formula Two has got an incredible amount of backing to them. The difference is, um, you take um, Narayan Kartikeyan, and he was priced out of Midland F one in 20, 2006. They purposely put a price tag up so they said you're not getting in here. I promise you, you're not going to get in here. And I think it's like, what, 5 million euros? That's nothing. <laughs> it's like 5 million euros nowadays probably wouldn't even get you a freaking test drive. Yeah. yeah. It's, let alone a Grand Prix seat. Now, Latifi's paying 30 million, I think, a year. Yeah. How can you compare against that? Like, that's that's the problem really at the end of the day. It's not that drivers have to pay to get in Formula 1. It's just that they have to pay a lot more now to get in Formula 1. Now... When I look at the Joe Piastri situation, I'm not totally hung up on it as a lot of people, a lot of other people would be. From my standpoint, and I know that <clears throat> the Shanghai government really has gotten behind Joe for this. <laughs> I mean, no, ser- seriously, they have. I'm not making that up, honestly. And a lot of governments do support their drivers. I remember here for Toyota Racing Series. Uh, Rui Andrade came in and sponsored by the whole nation of Angola. <laughs> it's just like the Angolan, the Angolan government sponsoring something motorsport related. The last time that happened, they had corruption charges. Um, but like ultimately, Joe's coming in with the money to be at Alfa Romeo and God knows where they're going to be. All I do know is that Joe's not going to be at Alfa Romeo in 2023 because they're bringing in Teo Porsche yep. to partner um, <clears throat> to Alfa partner with the guy that's got no fight. Um, <laughs> and he's, so that means he'll probably have to on, all the, Williams. on all the uh, honorary I, I just, strains at the moment. We're going to have to. is very, very fast. I just do not like how he races. Yeah, and that he doesn't really race. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Joe, Joe would then have to go off to something like Williams or whatever, and there's there's this whole sort of – it doesn't appear that Alpine were ever going to take him over Piastri. Mm. Piastri seems to be – and I think the crucial thing is he's got the backing of Alpine and he's got the backing of Alain Prost. Mm-hmm. And having that over a Grand Prix drive in 2020, um, 2022 – I'd rather he waits until 2023, gets into Alpine with either Fernando or Esteban, and goes at it from there with all factory backing and the uh, and under the guise of someone like Prost and whoever's going to be in the team at that time. So it's about getting in there right because, of course, yeah. you know, 
you take Sergei Sorokin, a weird example, but you take Sergei Sorokin, who probably was better than Lance that year, but yeah, it was just the lack of opportunity thereafter that killed his career. Mm. So I'd rather him wait a year than just have a career that's snuffled out in an instant in the case of one bad year against Valsary, you know? Yeah, I think that's exceptionally well put and and certainly the conclusion that we came to as well, whilst it would have been nice to be in a Formula 1 seat for 2022, he'll also be able to learn the ropes a little bit by being part of the team and, you know, as you see with Alain Prost, but also Mark Webber and the connections politically and financially, if necessary, a little bit later down the track that he would potentially bring is is a good thing. Uh, especially- Do you- Sorry. Do you think it gets worse? We've got, what, five genuine pay drives on the grid at the moment. Do we think as we grow coming through the sport, you know, in five or six years' time, it'll be 50-50 pay, you know, the top teams will have the best drivers and that's where the championship fight will be, but everyone else is paying. I think something that we all have to remember here is um, you take, so these five pay drivers, let's, let's see how they are. Not Stroll, who I think, he's not creme de la creme, but he's he's good in the sense that when he's on it, he's, he's bloody good, especially when it rains and, I don't know, just whenever the hell he wants to turn up, which is <laughs> once in a blue moon. Yeah, one in 22 races. Oh, uh, but, I mean, and, and, and in general, he's all right. You know, I can't really, I can't really object to him being in there too much, but, you know, it's all a can of worms talking about his involvement being in there and his junior series antics and whatever. Um, Latifi, he's up against George Russell, which is a hard yardstick, but he's, you know, I said, give this guy two years. Let's just see where he is. And right now, again, not creme de la creme, not on George Russell's level, but he's not too far below him. So competent. it's not competent. It, it's competent driver. Exactly. Nikita, Maz- Nikita Mazepin, yeah, no excuse, get out. Um, <laughs> Joe, again, I think we've got to give this guy time. My whole thing with Joe is that he's quick. He's got speed, but he doesn't get results. Like, mm. I don't know why. I was watching his junior career, and I saw him when he was here in New Zealand for the Toyota Racing Series, and you could see he was quick. It's just like you look at the results, it's like, uh, like, you got three eighth places and that's your best one. Hang on, weren't you topping qualifying? Like it's just it's this weird disposition with him where it's like his speed doesn't translate. And I mean, is it much of an excuse? Probably not. But what we should emphasize is that he does know how to drive a car. Unlike Maspin at the moment is drowning badly. <laughs> um and uh, who's the other pay driver we're thinking of? Uh, oh, Italian Jesus, but he's gone now. So I wouldn't say he was a pay driver. He was more just in Ferrari's pocket. But um, I mean, uh, no, I who think, is honestly, it? It's another one. Oh. I just, he was so, I mean, Geo, like, uh, he didn't do too much right, but he didn't do too much wrong either. Mm. He was just sort of there. You know what I mean? Yep. It's a, it's a, it's, he, he was the F1 equivalent of the nation of Belgium. It's like, wow, you exist. <laughs> cool, move on. Congratulations. Yeah. You're great for a you're week. A so, you're a sovereign <laughs> state. Good. We're not going to travel to you or whatever, but well done. You did your job. 
Yeah, certainly a lot of interesting storyline. And look, again, you you definitely pick out a lot of them. So for for you then, talk, talk us through what a, a typical weekend looks like. Obviously, you're not doing um, non-evergreen content, which what you know, which is most of what we do, which is race review stuff. So just personally, talk us through what, what you do in terms of watching this. If you're insomniac and you're watching Italian F4, then, I mean, I assume you watch everything live. Uh, I mean, truthfully, I only watch the uh, real grassroots Junior Formula F, again, if I'm struggling to sleep or whatever. Um, but GP, and, oh, she's not GP3. Formula 3, Formula 2, I do stay up for them because they are, you know, they are the final stepping stones. You are going to see these kids going through to Formula 1. Um, and so I will stay up for them, of course, because, you know, if you commentate on on Twitter, <clears throat> on social media, and, you know, you're going to, if you get a tweet that hits, that bangs, then you're going to attract people. Oh, they follow you. Oh, who's this geezer I just followed? He's got a YouTube channel. Uh, watch it. Uh, oh, his accent's annoying, but he's got relatively entertaining uh, stuff. Cool. Sweet. Subscribe. So it all sort of translates, you know, um, to have that live upkeep. Uh, and also I'm not one for sort of, seeing things like I'd rather just watch them live you know what I mean but it's gonna be yeah. tricky this weekend that we're recording because got the Saudi Grand Prix on and of course the 1000 mm. which for an Australasian motorsport fan you can't miss the 1000 yeah. for nope. sure nope but um, yeah okay so that's 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 your weekend of, of watching racing though but I am a little interested and we'll go back to more of your content creation because I'm interested in your process around that. You said you've got heaps of video ideas on ice. I'm sure you've got enough content probably for the rest of your life with stuff that just keeps happening like the announcement that was made either earlier today or yesterday afternoon. I can't remember when it was, which you'll be prioritizing that video now ahead of the 2019 videos. I know and a lot of people know what it takes to create content, but talk us through going from where you started probably having full-time work and then deciding to not have full-time work if that isn't in fact the case committing to this sort of life and backing yourself into that and and the whole processes that you go through to to put a video together yeah so i guess um <clears throat> i could start off with the process of making a video uh first and then sort of talk about how it became a full-time thing Great. so in a week under the full-time uh, under the full-time moon, I suppose. Um, so you start off with a concept, an idea. So let's take the Massa one. I think I, I had Massa sort of, I've been wanting to do it for a while and <clears throat> I positioned it uh, in between Grand Prix because I thought, well, the interest isn't going to be in, in any particular Grand Prix. So it's a down period. Let's, you know, just put something relatively modern or whatever into the frame. Um, so you, I try and script as much as I can before, um, the start of the whole week, which is on Friday. Um, if I can't, then I start there anyway. <clears throat> and you start it with a sort of a consensus, like, okay, so what's this video about? Not who is it about? What is it about? Mm. In this case, it's talking about the career of Felipe Massa and the sort of turbulent 
uh, era that it went through, but also reminding people that despite this rocky period, he did drive bloody well. And yep. the 2008 season deserves its kudos. So, you know, like that's all laid out to bear. And it's like, okay, cool. I've got a direction. Then you research meticulously. And I'm talking about watching flat out races, just witnessing the behavior of these drivers, how they're driving. Because yeah. it's one thing to look at a results sheet and say, oh, look, this guy didn't do very well or whatever. But if you look at the halfway mark of this season, you'd think, oh, Latifi was a better driver than Russell. Mm. And we know that's not the case. So you go back and watch these races and you try and digest what's happening in front of you, how this guy's driving, what he's going through, why didn't he get these results, you know, um, you know, and what did he do to achieve the results that he did? So uh, once you've done all that, um, I'm just talking about watching the races. You also get other resources, insider info. Um, you chat to people who were potentially working at Sauber, Ferrari, or Williams or whatever. You do everything you can to get as much resources as you can and script the video out in two days or less, which <laughs> is not enough time, <laughs> but it has to be done. <laughs> there is no way that it can actually be done either way. Like, it has to be done in that time. Yeah. Because especially if you have a sponsor on the video, mm. you have to get everything in this sort of video up to the sponsored advertisement done, send it off to the sponsor, who hopefully will approve it within the three days that they say they will. <laughs> in the meantime, you finish the rest of the video and... It's not uncommon lately for me to be seeking 80, 90 hours in a week, Jeez. every single week throughout the year. And it's just like, I remember in a recent video, someone's just like, oh, you're not very enthusiastic about Lewis and the junior career. It's like, I'm exhausted. I am freaking exhausted right now. I'm dying. Just, oh. But more to the point, I, I was just thinking, hang on. So you're saying that I'm not hyping Lewis up in the same way that this junior talent is not quite an F1 yet, the same way that he is. I'll tell you why. Lewis is kind of already in Formula One. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and this other kid, I'm trying to hype him up as the future. Lewis doesn't need hyping up. He's the best in the world, for goodness sake. Like... <laughs> Anyone who doesn't see that is blind. Like, I mean, I don't know why I need to further emphasize this. Okay, hang on. I'll say it clearly into the microphone. Lewis Hamilton is the GOAT, no question. Or was that not enthusiastic oh, enough? <laughs> There's just, just a hint know, of just, sarcasm there that I don't know if you're oh, being honest, Joshy. You reckon you got a sarcasm meter over there? <laughs> if anyone does, no, Campy is the person who would have that. Ah, oh, jeez. But, no, I mean, so... So obviously, just uh, yeah. just fun banter. But um, so yeah, just com complete them when you can. So I'm I'm normally getting these videos done on the Thursday, Arvo, mm -hmm. typically. And what's really nerve wracking as well is that I try and make sure that everything that I do is about as clean cut, shall we say? Mm -hmm. And I've got I've got good standing with um social media teams at Formula One Supercars. Toyota Racing Series, they're all great people. I love them to death. Um, and so I've got good standing with them, and I know that, okay, everything's 
relatively fine and dandy. I just have to be careful with what I use. But then it's also the music because sometimes you get stuff from a royalty-free uh, website. So, oh, okay, this is copyright-free, whatever. So, like, oh, okay, cool, sweet. Take your take your word for it. Then you use it. It's like, wrong, copyright. It's like, what? You said it was free. <laughs> like, And then you have to delete the video go back into the editing oh. process and then put in, you know, replacement audio. All the while, the export for some of these videos is about an hour. Yeah. Maybe two. And it's like, okay, I'm hours out from release. This is not what I need. Um, so sometimes it'll be done two or three hours before the release, the scheduled release. And at that point, because I'm always on... um artificial stimulants to get me through and just keep my mind <laughs> focused. It's two or three in the morning. It's just like, okay, I'm pumped up on coffee. Shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> the video has been released at 5 a.m. And here I am at 2 a.m. pumped up on these stimulants. Oh, Lord save me. <laughs> um, but of course, again, it's Friday and you have to begin work again. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Luckily this week, I've um, got no video coming out on the Friday. It's all coming out on Wednesday next week. So I've got a couple of days where I managed to sort of rest. But I think the day before recording this video was one of those days and I think it will just hit me. I'm just like, oh, oh, I'm just peached. I'm just totally knackered. Um, But, of course, you know, that's the full-time benefits, you know, back in – when it wasn't full-time and I was working a regular job that was full-time, it was, it was hard. So yeah. um, about the time I hit 20,000 subscribers, I went to the Toyota Racing Series at Hampton Downs. And there were a few people there that were pretty – they were big fans of the channel. That was cool. And ironically, that was the weekend that I re- released the Mahavira episode. I remember that. <laughs> I was speaking to Axel Noss in the, in the paddock and just like, Oh man, I was l- loving that video. It's like, ah, cool. But you're the racing driver. I'm just the loudmouth malcontent on YouTube. I should be happy to see you. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but that weekend I met um, Mark Pitch, who runs Autocar New Zealand and has a long successful history in New Zealand motorsport. And I always wanted to be a journalist, but it was just sort of, you know, out of reach in school because they cancelled classes conveniently. And I was stared in the uh, computer science um, area, which I did not enjoy. And I worked as an HP engineer for two or three years and didn't enjoy it in the slightest. But, you know, uh, they offered me a job as a journalist at Autocar. It's like, cool, sweet, cool. Sounds sounds the business. And I can work from home too. Awesome. Um, This was... 2020, January, February. So this was before the end of the world happened. Um, (laughs) And so I worked there. But the thing with being a journalist is that it's not a nine-to-five job. No. It's 24-7. So I was like, oh, crap. Okay, this isn't great. I'm supposed to be doing – I have to do a video this week. But at the same time, I'm meant to stay up and report on the Formula One match. On the – Formula One match. Formula One race. (laughs) releasing content at 6am, you know, and staying up to release it all through the day and micromanaging two websites as well. And I think May, January, is it May, January? That's a very big 
It's a big window. Big window. Yes. Um, May, June, I looked at the channel. I was like, it's dying. Hmm. Nothing's being released. And I knew I was earning just enough to meet minimum wage back then. I was like, okay, I got a choice here. Either continue with journalism or make a run of it in YouTube. It took two weeks to make the decision, but I thought there's so much I could do with uh, YouTube. Uh, and even now, there's still a lot I reckon I can do with it. It's just, again, time constraints and all that jazz. And outsourcing works kind of hard for my type of videos. But um, I made the I made the decision to quit a full-time job with guaranteed pay in the middle of a pandemic for something that is determined based on how your videos do in a month. Um <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, in that first month, it was kind of uh, interesting. No, I minimum wage here is about three grand a month. Mm-hmm. And I got the first paycheck from Google for my first time as a full-time YouTuber, 700 bucks. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Especially when Auckland is the most expensive city in the world. Um, <laughs> but since then, it's gotten to a point where it's, I won't say the exact figure, obviously, because, yep. you know, for privacy An reasons, but it, it's comfortable, shall we say. Yep. And, you know, it's just eternally grateful for it. Yeah, the work schedule's intense, but, you know, I think really when you just have a look at where I've been and where I am now, it's like, well, yeah, say no more, really. So, yeah, um, but, you know, I think back when I was full-time work, uh, videos were getting released once every two or three weeks because that whole process was spread out over those weeks. So it was a bit more harder back then. But, yeah, that's it nowadays. If I'm lucky, 70 hours a week of work is about a happy average of what uh, goes into the videos, uh, including for the one I'm doing now. So what do you do? <laughs> and you got to love it, don't you? I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, and I know, I know plenty of people want to get onto YouTube to make money and that's their whole thing. It's like I want to start a channel <laughs> to have Don't views, to have subscribers, to, you know, because often people will – and look, maybe there's some I'm of our like listeners – Thank bro. Some of our listeners may not have watched your stuff yet and if that is the case, then please, like I, I encourage you to do so. You're almost lucky in that respect because you've got a back catalogue of stuff to go through and, you know, you're, you're obviously more established than you were back then. But was there a moment that after you made that decision where subscribers really started to increase and, you know, did you make the decision to be like, hey, let's really push the like and subscribe thing because, you know, that that's now what I am relying heavily on <laughs> to try and make up the $2,300 that I need to meet minimum wage for a month in Auckland? I mean, I, I don't try and push it. It's part of the outgoing sort of outro, of course, but that's sort of uniform. Mm. In general, if people want to subscribe and like and all that jazz, cool. But um, I don't try and push people into it because I know for a lot of people it's annoying, you know? It just seems wanty. So like, uh, come on, I'm not good enough to, you know, to uh, <laughs> to do it just naturally. No, see that button, press it, whatever. It's just like I'm I'm pretty casual about it. Of course, I got my goals of subscribers and that on all that stuff. But you know, like again, I still make it for the same reason I did before. So therefore my priorities haven't really changed too much. And 
I don't feel I have to push it anymore, you know? Mm. Like, I I just feel that, you know, if people want to subscribe, if people want to subscribe, they'll subscribe as how I normally look at it. And if I have to improve myself to increase the flow of subs, then that's just a reality that I'm going to have to accept. And I know that there are things I want to improve on, lots of things. But, you know, until I do that, maybe the flow won't be uh, quite as good as maybe I'd want it to be. I don't know. Just, again, um, the whole, you know, like and subscribe thing, you know, showing stats saying only X amount of you um, who watch my videos are subscribed. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it just feels... Pr- just uh, yeah. Just... Yeah. It, it feels there's a certain insecurity to that almost. And I know people will be like, oh, you put that subscribed um, thing up there before. It's like, yeah, well, to be honest with you, my parents have been bugging me to put that up there. It's like, oh, okay. See, mom, dad, I put this in the video. Can you stop bugging me now? <laughs> but yeah, again, I'm pretty casual about it all. It's you know, free world, I suppose. One of the things that I think would have helped though and was of bloody great surprise and big joy especially for me was seeing your name pop up on Formula One's official YouTube channel for your F2 yeah. mid-season review. I was like, oh, cool, yep, new Josh video. This is the F1. What the f- What the f- <laughs> Uh, it, it's it was so hard for me to kick that embargo. I tell you that for free. It's just like, oh my oh, god, yeah. this is so cool. I'm on the Formula One YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, they contacted me about a month before that happened, and it was just like a proper Formula One email address. I'm like, oh shit, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done this time? <laughs> you know, like I've been I've been contacted by by Mahavir's family. I've been contacted by contacted by Deleta's lawyers. What have I done with Formula One? Okay, quite a lot, but what, 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 what did I do? And it was the head of media who contacted me. He's just like, hey, Josh, we're all big fans of your channel. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay, that's a surprise. Um, uh, are you interested in doing a collab uh, video? I'm like, yeah, okay, then that'd be pretty cool. But that was the thing, though. Like, I did speak to them and they generally do like content creators out there. And I think when I heard that, I was like, that is total music to my ears because this is something that I genuinely hoped Formula One would engage with. It's not that I'm trying to rip content and benefit off of purely their stuff. I'm trying to get across the history and the general sport in itself in a medium which they don't do. Yeah. Um, simply because I love the sport, not because I'm trying to piggyback off of what they've done. And sometimes I branch off to other stuff that I want to do. Talking about, for example, Michel Mouton mm-hmm. or the Le Mans story in 1953 where the two blokes bloody well drove around with brandy and broken noses from birds that flew into their windscreens. You know, it's just those stories in motorsport that you just need to tell. Yeah. Uh, so when that happened, it was just like brilliant. And of course it was dropped and I was just like, it's not a drill. <laughs> you know, I am on the Formula One YouTube channel and I think, I think they said it was like, it was one of the best performing F2 videos ever. they've ever done. Yeah. And, this, and I think they're, they're, they're preseason guys and outperformed that in like what, 18, 19 hours. I was like, holy crap. Wow. <laughs> this, 
That's brilliant. And it bodes well for the future, of course, for content creators. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a wild ride and I loved every minute of it. Well, and I think also, as I said to you a little bit earlier, the the, the path for Formula 2 and Formula 3 now is changing and they're reaching into new different audiences with stuff like you do in, in that video specifically. So uh, it's good for them to be able to tap into content creators to do that. I mean, we've, I've spoken to Sam Barker, who's the social media manager for Formula One, legend of a dude. He's yeah. Australian, of course. He's you know come from V8s and into that space. And I still chat with him about stuff and he's not you know, it's not that corporateness of what Formula One used to be. They're very open now, and that whole liberty thing, I think, has been absolutely phenomenal for them. Camby probably wants to ask you a question about it, one certain New Zealand driver, but I will I'll preface it by this question with it wasn't the typical, you know, F3, F2 entry then into F1. Uh, and it was almost an unfortunate time for him because he seems to be an absolute bloody legend of a guy with a balcony that is on a good part of the Monaco track. <laughs> McCampy, would you like to ask a question? Talk, oh, look, you can talk about the Kiwi drives in uh, in F2 and F3 because there's a few of them. I think there was more than there was a few strains at the moment. you got some good guys coming through. But Mr. Brendan Hartley, I, I, was a, I was a genuine fan of that guy. He didn't take the traditional route. I think... I think, look, he got beaten by Pierre Gasly that year that they raced together. But Hartley just seemed to be in the wrong place at the wrong time at every, like, talk about bad luck. I think he just had the worst luck. And in hindsight, seeing how bad, badly Albon, Kvyat, Pierre Gasly have shit the bed in the top team, do you think Hartley... In hindsight, if he had got that got that extension on his contract, would have done all right. I mean, the thing for me was that uh, I was obviously very happy when a New Zealander was back on the grid because the last one was Mike Thackwell back in 1994, who was a very big missed prospect. But, um, <clears throat> you know, Hartley almost had Chris Amon's luck. It was just like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Did you run over a black cat and then hit it with a hammer? Like, what did you do to get this luck? Yeah. I mean, there was no doubt Brendan had the worst luck ever, but my whole thing was that I I look at things indiscriminately. You know, I, I do have a Kiwi passport, but if there's someone better, there's just someone better. Like, like for example, you yeah. take um, the current Red Bull situation um, of their junior drivers. Now, people will automatically think, oh, well, I've raved about Liam Lawson, and I still do. And, you know, both Kiwis, he should be the next one in line. I'm like, no, Yuri Vips. And then maybe Liam, although right now, Dennis Halger is pledging a good case. Yeah, he is. And if Jahan Daravala does well with Prema next year in F2, because Jahan's a better driver than what he's letting on, Mm. no, then, you know, just personally from my viewpoint, whoever's the better driver at the time should just be in there. And back in 2018, um, if you had to ask me who to pluck out of the former Rebel um, catalogue and throw in there, I would have said Felix, Antonio Felix Costa because he was an extremely unfortunate case not to get in Formula One. Mm, yeah. But they bought him Brendan. And my thing with Brendan was that he did very well in Formula 3. But then he went to Formula Renault 3.5 and he got decimated by Daniel Ricciardo. And he just didn't look at home in the um, 
higher-powered junior formula cars. He then went to GTs, and the way he drove, his racecraft, everything like that, it better suited for the GT role. Yeah. He was born into Formula 1. I was like, okay, let's just see how it goes. And it just, he had the worst luck ever, but it just didn't look like he was on the same level as Pierre. I was like, I'd just rather we have someone who could be on that level. Um, and so it was just, yeah, could he have done? Could he have done better back in 2009 if he would have stayed on a little bit longer and gotten the drive ahead of Jaime Eljaswari? Maybe, possibly. Yep. possibly. We don't know, but yeah, it's. Did I judge him? Did I judge him too harshly? I don't know. Maybe I did because I'm pretty harsh with some New Zealand drivers. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the complete like, opposite to the way we operate, mate. We are <laughs> one million percent biased to the nth degree. Even when we're performing shootouts, we're still going to go to bat in for I mean, him. And you Aussies have got some good drivers coming up. Mm, yeah, Jack Doohan's also there in the background, but yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> I got I got my reservations uh, reservations on Jack Doohan. Let's just say that. Well, Callan Williams is, uh, has got some <laughs> new sponsorship and uh, is apparently Perth's next Formula One driver. That was the tagline that I saw. Oh, boy. So that's... Uh, oh, God. Yes, anyway. Callan Williams, the next Formula One driver from Perth. <laughs> that's Look, Oscar Piastri. We should read The Guardian for the tabloids, shouldn't we? <laughs> Oscar Piastri is, is it. If DR can't pull it together in some miracle for McLaren next year, Oh, he will, don't worry. I know. Of course. Of course he bloody will. But apart from if he doesn't, if something was to happen and he fades away into his new business pursuits, I think Oscar obviously is the future. And as you say, I mean, from a a point of view now for hyping up the next generation, DR is is well and truly hyped around the world thanks to Drive to Survive and his characterization through there, especially to the US. Um, But Oscar's just silently doing not a lot, you know, in social media, but gaining a lot of attention for the right reasons, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's quite a bloke on social media for sure, but, I mean, he's still a cool guy, you know, yeah. at the same time. And I don't like – it's a bit like with Max Verstappen, I suppose. He doesn't do too much on social media, but I don't think any of these guys are obliged to do too much on social media as outside of, you know – their commitments. I'm really only concerned about how they do on track. And mm. Oscar's, I wouldn't say he's the absolute, um, absolute most speed demon, shall we say. He's not someone who over one lap, I would, I would say, go out there and bring every last ounce of this thing. But sometimes you don't need that. And I think someone who kind of encapsulates that kind of not apparent speediness, but still gets results is Alain Prost, you know? And, you know, he's undermined greatly, more than he should be. Um, And he has so many world titles to uh, show for it. And I think that's why Alain likes him. Probably reminds him of himself. Just needs to break his nose and everything will be uh, (laughs) just as was. Well, Josh Revel, thank you so much for joining us on Lakeside Drive. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and get to know a little bit more about your story. And if you don't know what Josh is all about after that chat, well, have you even been listening? But you should go across right now to his YouTube channel. Check him out. Definitely well worth a watch. And Josh, mate, thank you again. It's going to be great to see what 2022 brings. And maybe we can have a chat next year in the midst of these new regulations. That's good, mate. Thanks for having me on. 
And a massive thank you to you too for listening. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review. It all helps. We are serving the algorithm after all. And this is our fourth season of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast, if you can believe. There's plenty more to come like this interview this year. Freya and I will be searching the globe for people to talk to in a Formula One sense. Why don't you let us know who you'd like to hear from? Send us a DM on Instagram or you can drop us an email. All of the links are in the description below. And if you're not yet part of our Discord server, well, what are you doing? Jump across there right now. Join a community of like-minded, good, healthy, happy, conversational people. And we love to have you over there. But it is time to say goodbye. We'll see you very soon for the next episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. Podcast Network.